Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Kicking off a brand new week. What's up, Rhino? Howdy, howdy. Well, from a sports perspective, at least for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, was not a good weekend. Both uh, went on the road and did not fare too well. Southern Miss did have a good one. But the big news in the sporting world, in Mississippi at least, is that game day is coming to the capital city for Jackson State University as they take on Southern. How about that? Game day. Second time in the history of uh, the, the event, the show, the program, that they have Broadcast from an HBCU, the last time, 2008, Florida A&M. It's a big deal. Primetime will be on the primetime, certainly from a college football perspective. I guess they'll set up at Memorial Stadium, huh? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, you would think. But that's pretty cool. That's a big deal. Now, whether or not... I've seen... You know, everybody's got an opinion. I know that's shocking. And they express it because they have this social media <laughs> platform, uh, a variety of them, actually. So you've got those who say, nobody cares about that game on the one. And you know, and that's a game day shouldn't be featuring that particular game. It's not of interest. That's on the one extreme. And on the other extreme, it's, oh, my gosh, this is going to solve all of Jax's problems. <laughs> Bliss is going to break out. My guess is it's somewhere in the middle. Not to mention that this is just entertainment. It is a business, there's no doubt. It's a sporting business, and it's the business of sports. I'm pleased they're coming here. And then, you know, all kinds of people, of course, would have to crack the joke tongue-in-cheek. Don't drink the water. Bring your own. Be sure you're packing. All that sort of stuff. I've seen, have you seen this, the bulletproof vest with a game day logo on it? (laughs) And everybody's a comic, aren't they? (laughs) I think it's good that they're coming. I'm not... Unhappy about that. Now, whether or not this is like going to solve all of the city of Jackson's woes, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that will cause crime to end, fix the water problems, prop up 
on a long-term basis the city's economy, but it is good, and hopefully we can project the city in a positive way. I feel like that will happen. I really do. So, little notoriety. Uh, of course, the first, many who have not, you would have to believe, have not been to the state ever, right? This will be their first trip. I'm thinking, when you, when you think about all the folks that travel to put this production on, it's a bunch. If they fly, they'll be going through the airport. Oh, geez. We don't really have the greatest airport here in the capital city. And that, of course, is a subject of much controversy and contention, but it really doesn't put our best foot forward. When you step off the airplane, that's the first thing you see. I'm just being honest about that. If you've spent any time flying, you've been through other airports in the country as a basis of comparison, I think that is uh, I think that's fair to say. So but I overall this is positive. This is a good thing that they're coming to the capital city. And I think a lot of people would agree that were it not for prime time and his celebrity status, but not just that, but his performance. And I think his philosophy in coaching and life in general, I think all those are positives and reflect positively on the university, the program, the state. So I'm, I'm glad that he's there. I think it has uh, provided some degree of positive outcome to the, to the program, to the city, to the state. So it should be a good one. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, let's see, we got Ole Miss traveling this weekend over there to College Station, Texas A&M, who might have the most overra- uh, overrated, without question, overpaid coach <laughs> in, the, in the D1 NCAA. And where's Mississippi State traveling to this week? Bye week. They got a bye week. That's right. And then Ole Miss has a bye week. Yeah, and then Ole Miss has a, a bye week, and then they will welcome the Crimson Tide of Alabama to the vault in the week after that. So it don't get any easier, as they say, as both of those programs are faced with the gauntlet that is the SEC West. But uh, it's, it's a bit disappointing. And Southern Miss will be playing host to the team that gets really upset if you call them by their old name. Who's that? Louisiana Lafayette. Excuse me, Louisiana. Oh, that's right. You're right about that. They get all kinds of been out of shape. Yeah. They did win, though, this past weekend. So good for them. That was good. So the one thing that <laughs> going to try to draw a comparison, as it may be, <laughs> between college football and political races, it seems now... No matter what, if you're losing, it's the ref's fault, right? (laughs) Nobody ever wants to just look in the mirror. And that's not giving the refs a pass here. They make mistakes. And there's no question in my mind that this targeting rule, it's so subjective, it seems. And when it happens, and it happens so rapidly, so abruptly, and referees are trying to make a decision, 
split-second decision, flag or not, targeting or not. And then they, of course, inevitably go back and review it. And it seems like it takes hours for the review. And then they come out with a decision. But it was Troy Aikman, right, a couple of weeks ago that that sort of blasted the rule. And what was it he said? We might as well put dresses on them or something. And then the whole world <laughs> attacked him. And then he apologized for it. Oh, my gosh. But it does certainly seem that it, it just... It continues to sort of cross the line from the idea being to protect, right, the, the, the purpose of the role being to protect these use of the helmet essentially as a weapon and lowering the helmet and going right for the head. No doubt that can cause serious injury because these guys are moving at very rapid speed. And the other thing is the person doing the hitting has just got all this padding on. You know, back in the days when you could fold your helmet up and put it in your pocket? You didn't have that, I guess. It'd be bone on bone directly, and both people were likely not going to survive such a crash. But it, it does seem like every game is just filled up with these targeting calls, some, some of which end up with an ejection, some don't. And it's, it's a tough call to make, but I, I think that's caused a lot more from the folks who are not happy about officiating and feel like that they're on the wrong side of that, on the negative side of that. So in politics, mark my word, no matter what happens here in the midterms in a couple of weeks, what are we, 15 days away, I think, no matter what happens, the other side, the losing side of certain races, they're cheating. And that's, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, I just think that's where we are, and I don't think it's healthy. Nor do I think it's healthy just to... I I always use officiating as a crutch. Um, Heck, Alabama had a record. So a lot of folks say, well, Alabama always gets the passes, but right when they lost to Tennessee, set a school record for penalties at 17, the old record being, I think, 15. So it's hard to kind of, when you see that, say, well, Alabama's getting all the breaks. I don't know. It's just so subjective, and uh, it happens so fast. I think there's a lot of pressure on these officials to just get that stuff right. Now they got all this instant replay stuff. But I know when you're at the games, it just seems like you spend more time waiting for officials to review instant replays and you do watching the games. We're in the Element Well Studios. We're taking a break. At 11.05, Mike Hurst, former U.S. attorney, going to talk about the EPA's investigation of DEQ regarding the Jackson Water situation. Stay with us. Back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're back in the Element Well Studio, Super Talk Mississippi. 
And we got some tickets to give away later on in the program. Brian Kilmeade is going to be at the Brandon City Hall on November the 12th. Of course, he is one of the stars of Fox and Friends. He's a host and New York Times bestselling author. He's bringing his well-known humor and commentary to Mississippi for one night. Brian will tackle some of the day's hottest political topics and talk about his best-selling books. He'll be at the Brandon City Hall live on Saturday, November the 12th. Tickets for the show are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. So uh, Rhino will take care of that for us later. Also, the Gallo Show is at Hobnobs. Hard to believe. Hobnob. The Gallo back show. again. Yeah, back again. We'll be at the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson on Thursday for the annual Mississippi Economic Council Hobnob. This is the biggest gathering for movers, shakers, and playmakers from across the state. It's the number one gathering place for networking with statewide political and business leaders. For more info about this year's Hobnob or to register, go to mec.ms. That ought to be a good event. I think all the state political leaders will be on hand delivering remarks as we approach First, a new session coming up in January, just a couple of months away. But more importantly, it's election year all over again here in the state of Mississippi. Should be interesting. Give us lots to talk about, that's for sure. I know we've got midterm elections coming up, as we discussed in the prior segment, in 15 days. And I believe we're trying to get the congressional candidates, the House candidates... Of course, all up for re-election, as they are every two years, trying to get them on the programs to discuss their campaigns. Look forward to that. Blake on the ceasefire text line, which, by the way, is 601-879-4395, says Benny Thompson is the guest picker for game day. Uh, well, i got to tell you, folks, we I have... I kind of doubt that. We had a little meeting here at Super Talk, as we do on Mondays, to discuss what's going to happen this week. And we're all trying to guess who might be the guest picker. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Benny Thompson. Just I my mean, opinion. the first thing that comes to mind, the first name associated with the whole scenario, is primetime. Sure. But then you immediately go, ah, do they really want to use one of the coaches? Yeah. And then the argument for that is, well, Lane Kiffin picked on college game day when it was at Ole Miss. Very true. And he's just always entertaining and interesting, right? But with the way Coach Prime has been able to get celebrities interested and involved at Jackson State, like Snoop Dogg. We're here this weekend. Right. right? Yeah. It makes you wonder, does he really want to mess up his daily schedule before the game and do that? Or is he going to be able to pull some strings with celebrity buddies and pull a rabbit out of the hat and you don't know who's going to be? Yeah. You know, you would think, were he alive today, Walter Payton, right, would uh, seem to be an appropriate guest picker. Could it be his brother? I believe Coach Goff there for many years at Jackson State. I don't know. Should be fun, though. Should be fun. I'm glad it's coming. <clears throat> Congratulations to the team and the university, says Keith and J.S. I agree. Sam from Mount Hermon tells us we had a great turnout at the Franklinton Free Fair and sold out both nights for the rodeo. Thanks for that, Sam. Congratulations. Awesome. 
Mike in Gulfport opines this may help get Coach Prime a major college job, and what he has accomplished for JSU will be may there will be a major effort to replace him. The man has done a tremendous job. If he leaves, he will really be missed. Just look at the SWAC players in the NFL. Yeah, agree. You know, and I, you can't help but think back, Rhino, to when they hired him. There was a lot of head scratching, I think, on that. Is this guy really up to the task? Sure, he can play the game, but is he the material? To be a head coach in a program like this, I think he's proven that he is. I think yeah, he overcame great... some uh, some early hurdles and yeah. situations. Like you remember the the instance where somebody stole something, some of his belongings from That's his right. office. That's right. During a practice or a game, was and... it his officer's car, his vehicle? It doesn't matter. Somebody I think did. It might have actually happened twice then, because yeah. I, I vividly remember his office, and you said vehicle, and now I remember his vehicle. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he overcame a couple of those instances where it seemed like drama was going to be the the main focus of his tenure and now he's turned it around he's Agree. got a very competitive football team i think he sets a good example i mean he he's a flamboyant individual but i really can't recall there ever being any kind of scandal uh, you know to any degree on his resume right i said i mean i haven't heard any sort of criminal activity or craziness with with the females, not that I, I can recall. Maybe you know better, but uh, it seems like he's been f- fairly scandal-free, and it's crazy that we're even surprised by that these days, right? But sometimes, just seems like these high-profile sports figures. Not all of them, of course. I'm not. I'm, I'm generalizing a bit here, but there just seems like a lot of them end up with some sort of trouble because besides of, his larger-than-life lifestyle while he was still playing. I think the only thing that's really tarnished his record post-playing career was his involvement with the uh, Prime Prep Academy. I think it was out in Texas. Yeah. What was that exactly? It was a charter school he set up and basically cherry-picked some of the best players from surrounding schools and then wasn't allowed to compete. And then there was a lot of controversy about him being a leader. And then when he got ousted, there was... Yeah, it was it was a big deal. I think lawsuits were filed. I got you. Chris from Oxford says you definitely have to give Deion Sanders a lot of credit. He's done wonders for our state. I think he's gotten certainly a lot more people to pay attention. He's put Mississippi on the map. I think it's fair to say because he's a a, a national figure, a sports celebrity. No question about that. And him being right in the heart of the state, at Jackson State University, no doubt. He's gotten a lot more people to pay attention to it. Love the commercial with his mom. Dion has been good for Mississippi, a great leader, says Bo in Indianola. He also said, some point, Gerard, you just got to let them play football. It's a violent game. If it's not obvious call, you just let them play. I, You know, I hear you, Bo, and that's maybe a discussion that needs to occur within the officiating ranks, but more importantly, it's it's not them that make the rules, right? It's it's the um, the association, the NCAA in this case, and, and the NFL, and they define all that stuff, and those guys are all trained on it, so maybe that needs to be relaxed somewhat. I don't know. But it does seem that we get it a lot, uh, an awful lot. I don't so. have my handy-dandy helmet calendar in here to double-check, but it does look like one Nick Saban will be free next weekend. 
What's that, that would be funny. What do you mean? If Coach Prime got his fellow commercial star, Nick Saban, to come and guest speak. Oh, that would be a good one. I'm pretty sure Bama has a bye week as well. Yeah. I like that. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Interesting. What are you saying here, Thomas? U.S. Justice Department to hold a press conference on significant national security matter. This broke about an hour ago. Huh. Attorney General Merrick Garland will address, I can't really read it, malign influence schemes and alleged criminal activity by a nation-state actor in the U.S. Wow. October surprise, asks Thomas. I don't know. Depends on who it is and how that might impact the midterms. Michael Strahan suggests someone on the ceasefire text line from the 228 might be the game day picker. Shane and Tupelo says, heard it was going to be Snoop Dogg. Love the show, Shane. Thanks, Shane, for game day. Well, that's what Rhino said. It could be. I mean, think about Dion. He's personally connected to lots of celebrities across a lot of different fields, right? Sports, music, acting, etc., the arts. No doubt. Could be anybody. Uh, yeah, Moe says Snoop Dogg has already been a guest picker on game day. This year, though, Moe's? I'm not sure. He's he's pretty good at it. I do remember seeing him be a guest picker. I just can't remember. Speaking of the of the crazy uh, NFL, not NFL, but the crazy officiating, do you see the, the referee get hit in the head with a spike ball? <laughs> I think it was the Lions game. It's kind of funny. Referee's fine, by the way. No big deal. And he came over to apologize. The player did. You know, Rhino, we've been talking a lot on this program about this transgender and gender ideology and certainly biological males identifying as females or having gender transition surgery and participating in female sports. Now people are getting hurt. Not surprised. We'll talk about it when we come back. This and much, much more from the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Talk.fm. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from the Element Wealth Studios. Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. Really appreciate uh, Jeremy Nelson from Element Wealth joining Middays this past Friday. I hope you folks enjoyed that. I thought it was very insightful. Jerry's got uh, Jeremy has a really good Grip on all things investing, the markets, the economy, and so forth. Speaking of which, quick check of your markets. Today, the Dow up 317. 
And the NASDAQ, uh, just a little above water in the green, up about six. Bit of a, not really a mixed market, but a little different story. The Dow up uh, quite a bit more on a percentage basis than is the NASDAQ. It's a big week for earnings, folks. Big tech earnings are in the limelight this week. And this will, I think, say a lot to the investment community about the strength of the economy the future of uh, the economy as well, and that will play a lot into what happens to stocks. Tomorrow, Microsoft announces Wednesday, Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, announces, and then Thursday, it's Amazon and Apple. So everybody's going to be tuned in to that, see what happens this week. Should be a big one. I had to chuckle when you said meta, because the only headline I've seen involving meta is the metaverse, which is the virtual reality world they're trying to sell. Yeah, it ain't working too good Well, they had the recent announcement that they're bringing legs to virtual reality, (laughs) and then it got leaked out that they haven't quite figured out the technology to put the legs in the virtual reality, and they had to pre-render the video that they were showing to advertise it. Oh, jeez. I think they're millions and billions of dollars (laughs) pumped into a virtual reality that nobody uses. It ain't working. I mean, and they've made it clear. It's got less than 50 active users. I know. And Zuckerberg, he tried to persuade the investment community whenever he really went out and announced it, changed the name of the company, the stock ticker, all all that. This is our future. Hanging our hat on that. We're not relying on those advertising revenues we get from our social media platforms, right? Well, it ain't working too good. So we'll see. Yeah, I a lot of the investment banks have uh, revised uh, their target price for Meta downward, as you can imagine. So I don't know. We'll see where all that goes. But it's a big week for earnings. Mike in Gulfport reminds that Eddie Payton played five years in the NFL. I think over 50 players from JSU have played in the NFL. Yeah, sure did. And so maybe he'll be the guest picker. Let's see. Uh, somebody on the ceasefire text line from the 228 says, how about Jerry Rice? Of course, yeah, that would work. Jerry, a Mississippian, played at Mississippi Valley State, played in SWAC. Of course, a storied NFL career as well. Many regard him the greatest wide receiver of all time. Certainly fun to watch, wasn't it? Him in Montana in those days. That was really kind of the early days of the more wide-open offense. That, that um, name escapes me. The, the West head, Coast offense? Yeah, the head coach there was just brilliant in his implementation of design and implementation of it. And uh, very much a player's coach. I always heard lots of positive things about him. Come on, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. And uh, the Italian folks that own the 49ers. Uh, Eddie, was his name? I can't remember the last name. I'm drawing a blank on the names today. It's been so long. You get older, you get a lot of information. You're getting into the information I don't yeah. know. This is from way, way back in the Wayback Machine when I was a wee lad. Yeah. Uh, I knew the names of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, and Bill Walsh was in the periphery. I don't, I don't think I was worried about the owners at that point. <laughs> well, they were just uh, DeBartolo, Eddie DeBartolo, the DeBartolo family. Twenty-three years he owned the NFL. I think they won four or five Super Bowls under DeBartolo. But it was just fun, fun combination of him and Bill Walsh, and and of course Montana 
and uh, Jerry Rice. Just a just great team. I liked watching them back then. Good game yesterday, them in Kansas City out there in San Francisco. So I was talking about this transgender stuff. We I know we've talked a lot about that on the program because there's a it's happening a lot in this country. And we we've shared audio, video of numerous children's hospitals in this country that are offering a gender reassignment surgery, even performing hysterectomies on 13-year-olds, which is just hard to get your your head around. We shared video from Vanderbilt University Medical Center a few weeks ago. They sort of got outed, honestly. I don't think they expected. How could you not expect somebody to be recording a big session like that, but someone in administration, I think it was a, a, a more management-level physicians was actually discussing the the profit opportunity in their huge transgender clinic within the Vanderbilt University Medical Center they had established because she says in the video, remember this, Rhino, it's not just the $40,000 for the gender reassignment surgery, but they need care for life after that. It was very profitable, very lucrative. So we're mutilating children's bodies for profit. That's just cool, right? Okay, so in the state of Mississippi, we have a law, right, that requires athletes to participate in the sport which corresponds with their biological gender. In North Carolina, there was a volleyball game last week. And there was a member of the vo- a volleyball team that was a transgender. It was was a biological male competing in girls volleyball, and caught on again caught on video. By the way, I just uploaded this to our midday Facebook site. If you want to go take a look at it, and this male at relatively short range. Playing in the girls' volleyball game, spikes the volleyball over the net, jumps much higher than the girls can, shock, and then spikes it, and the volleyball hits the player on the other side, again within about 8 or 10 feet, right in the head. Now, a volleyball soft, but at that range and coming at you that hard, that hurts. That smarts. So, she... um, Still hasn't been cleared. The injuries this girl suffered have been substantial. Said is likely to experience long-term concussion symptoms, such as vision problems. Hasn't been returned to play. And I think the school district voted to forfeit games against this rival after this injury occurred. Now, this is insane. This is insane. Go look at the video, folks, on our Facebook site, the Midday site. I mean, it might as well be a professional volleyball player, male, with a bunch of 10-year-old boys, honestly. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't the net slightly lower in girls' volleyball? I don't know. Somebody suggested that to me when I shared this. I don't know. I'm not really haven't played competitive volleyball, so I'm not sure. 
Yeah, the men's net height is seven foot eleven and five eighths inches, while the women's net height is seven foot four and an eighth inch. Okay, so not a huge difference, but enough. About a half a foot. Yeah, enough where maybe in some cases you can't get high enough to spike. Certainly, at further back distance from the net. But if you go watch this video, you can clearly tell this is a this is a strong male playing in this girl's game that just has his way. This is nuts. This is insane. Now, in the meantime, President Biden, if Rhino has it for us, was questioned about his thoughts on banning gender reassignment surgery. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. Gender health care. Right? Abortion is reproductive health care. It's just wrong to ban it. We've lost our morals. Again, you're an adult. You want to go change up your body? Have at it. I don't want to pay for it, by the way. Have at it. You're doing this to children? What am I missing here? This is nuts. And there you go. No, nobody should ban that. Children, 13-year-olds should be able to have hysterectomies. I want to meet the physicians that perform these procedures. they got to be a little deranged, too. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. Now, maybe they think in some way they're helping, and all these puberty blockers, and there's just so much information, a wealth of information across a spectrum of science that says don't do it. All kinds of things, bad things happen when you take these drugs, but yet they're still doing it, and they're celebrating it like it's a trophy. You pointed that out before. It's trendy, right? It's cool. Oh, look at me. I changed my boy to a girl. We got another segment, and then Mike Hurst coming on the program at 11.05. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well Studios, Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget the Gallo Show at Hobnob, the Mississippi Coliseum this Thursday. We got some tickets to give away to the Brian Kilmeade Show. That's coming up at the Brandon City Hall on November 12th. We suggest Mississippi and ABC newscaster, Mississippian and ABC newscaster Robin Roberts as the guest picker. That's from Ruthie in Ridgeland. She does have, clearly has Mississippi ties. She's well known. And uh, the news world, I actually suggested that this morning in our little Super Talk meeting. I don't know. Doesn't really, you, you pointed out, though, Rhino, she doesn't really have any JSU ties, to, to your knowledge. I don't think so. so. Yeah. But I don't know that that matters. Nah. So, she, but, and there could be a little problem. I mean, that would be ideal. If you could find a celebrity or an athlete with a high enough status that also has ties to JSU, that has the free time, that would be the ideal. But 
a lot of times with college game day guest pickers, they have to go to backups on backups on backups to actually find who is available that is a good choice. Yeah. And even then, you still wind up with ones like that Jack Harlow guy that <laughs> just didn't seem he wanted to be there at all. Yeah, I agree. Well, it'll be interesting. It's fun, though, to kind of guess oh, yeah. at this point. Uh, I think we've had lots of good suggestions. Thomas and Greenwood says, Shepard Smith. Laugh out loud. He, too, has Mississippi ties. The thing that maybe would make sense with respect to Robin is that ESPN, ABC, she, that's where she works, connected, sister companies, if you will. All right, so in the last segment, we were discussing this incident in North Carolina where <sighs> transgender... Biological male, transgender, female, I guess that person would refer to themselves, suits up on the girls' volleyball team, spikes the ball during a game against the opponent, hits a player on the other team right in the head at fairly close range. The person is suffering concussion-like ailments. It's ridiculous. Hasn't been cleared to play. Anyhow... The left is obsessed with this gender garbage, there's no doubt, and they're pushing it in schools, they're pushing it in the private sector. They, they, it, it's rapidly ascending the ladder of the left's idols, which are, of course, climate change and race, and gender's just kind of creeping up on it. But here's an interesting little video I found from a climate change wacko. Listen to what uh, this person suggests as a way to combat climate change. Having children is wrong, and I won't be having them myself. Thank God. all the experts agree that the single worst thing any of, of us can do for the climate is to have a person, have a child. Because that child, over the course of their life, will contribute... 58 tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. So if you care about the planet, if you care about animals and the ecosystems and the oceans and the levels of carbon, don't have children. And I'm not saying we should confront pregnant people or parents about the damage they're doing to the environment, but we do need to have difficult conversations about how selfish, destructive and wrong it is to have a person, have a child, when we know the damage that does to the environment. You know, it's one thing to have a go at people for eating meat, which is also terrible, but it's nothing in comparison to being a parent. Difficult, you pointed out, difficult conversations. have difficult conversations. <laughs> this is how they think. Well, the planet will survive, but the people will all die, right? Well, we're meeting people. What the hell are we saving the planet for? The deer? The roaches? <laughs> no, the roaches are what you're going to eat if <laughs> you're left over. That's exactly You right. will eat bugs and you will like it. You will own nothing and you will like it. <laughs> Until you wither and die because you're not going to reproduce. This is insane. They believe this crap. That's what's scary. Well, that's the logical end result of an entire generation being browbeat with nonsense about the end of the world is coming, the sky is falling, there's going to be no snow on Mount Fuji, watch out, Al Gore's on the loose, 
<laughs> Liberals not having kids. What's wrong with that on this East Park text line? Tom and Carthage, that would be great for all those spotted owls and desert toads, though. Tony in Columbia, too bad his parents didn't have the same ideology. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that's what Stacey Abrams, right? We played the tape last week. Abortion, it's an economic issue. That's why they're not having any babies. It's the price of gas. That's why they got to abort them. Be gone with that child. I can't afford the gas. These people are sick. They're sick freaks. They're psychopaths. We're going to keep calling them out. There's so much crazy stuff. Wait till you hear some sound we got later on what Nancy Pelosi is now saying about inflation. And I happened to catch Joe Biden's remarks about the economy on Friday. And I'm going to analyze it. It's so packed full of lies, I need like two programs to go through the lies. We're coming right back after the news break. We got Mike Kirst in the studio. Stay with us. And now, now. another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Midday Super Talk Mississippi in the Element Well Studios, kicking off a brand new week. Joining us now, Mike Hurst, former U.S. Attorney. Mike, good to see you. Good morning, Gerard. How are you? I'm doing fine. So it seems like in our, our current day and time, the issue of race has to be in- injected into every issue. Every issue. It's just like, let's just go ahead and default to that. Now we have the situation with the water in the city of Jackson, Mississippi's capital city. And we've got the EPA, the federal EPA, right, that has initiated a lawsuit, I believe, or an investigation. No, investigation. Investigation, investigation. Pardon me, not a lawsuit yet, at least, uh, against the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality. Is the Department of Health involved in that That's as well, correct. right? That's correct. Because they have some responsibility under state law with respect to municipal water systems. But anyhow, they're, they're basically investigating them. I'll just kind of lay it out and let you talk. Uh, for um, engaging in racial discrimination, potentially, in the allocation of federal grant money, which these agencies at the state levels, state level oversees this grant money, is, is targeted at municipalities to help them with their water system. So they're saying that that because the state is primarily run by white people at the state level, right, in state government, it's state, there are no African-American minority statewide officials, that they're engaged in racial discrimination in the allocation of this money, and they want to investigate that as maybe the core reason 
and the culprit for Jackson's failing water system. Yeah, it, and let me remind your listeners that this administration, the Biden administration, this year within the Department of Justice, which is what I'm familiar with, set up an Office of Environmental Justice. Right. So what EPA, the Office of Inspector General here is doing is they've initiated an investigation in the city of Jackson specifically against, as you said, Department of Health and Department of Environmental Quality under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, which basically says you can't, uh, anyone receiving federal funds can't discriminate based upon race, you know, or uh, sure. national origin, sure. gender. Um, but here it's it's kind of ironic because, and, and I would point your listeners, I, I thought um, Jimi Hendrix did a great op-ed yesterday in the Northside Sun just basically laying out the history, the facts, uh, specifically with regard to the water issues in Jackson. And he, he notes that really the impetus from behind making sure the citizens of Jackson get clean, safe drinking water has been the Mississippi Department of Health. It hasn't been the city of Jackson. It hasn't been any of these incompetent mayors we've had in the last few years. It's been the state that has been ensuring this. Um, Some of your readers or your listeners may know this, but the Department of Health is the one who reported the city of Jackson to the EPA a couple of years ago. And if, if you may remember, Gerard, EPA came down, found all of this, um, found the OB uh, Curtis uh, water treatment facility and the other treatment facilities in unbelievable conditions on the, I mean, literally on the cusp of failing and basically, you know, hammered the city of Jackson. But the city of Jackson, the, the city council and the citizens of Jackson did not know anything about that EPA report for a full year. Right. They the hit mayor it. hit it he for hit a it. full from year. From the city council. From right? the city council and right. from the citizens of Jackson yeah. that you citizens may be drinking unsafe water. Right. But the whole again, the whole impetus behind that was the state. The state Department of Health was the one trying to ensure that the citizens of Jackson were having clean drinking water while the mayor was trying to hide the unsanitary conditions of the facilities in Jackson. Because I believe state law charges the Department of Health, right? There, There's provision in statute that says Department of Health's got to make sure every municipality is delivering clean, safe drinking water. That's right. And and here, I mean, this is this is such a this is such a political thing with EPA OIG coming in and investigating on the basis of um, you know Derek Johnson, this this local political hack here in Jackson, who's now the head of the NAACP, uh, uh, an organization that has done incredible good over a number of decades. But now you have this political hack, who's a Benny Thompson, you know, lackey, put in charge of that, making all these, uh, as you said, racial allegations that. The state is not trying to do what's best in the in, in the interest of the citizens of Jackson, which is just con- complete and total BS. All right, so I'm not sure how uh, what sort of power those two agencies have over this federal grant money. I, honestly, Mike, I didn't even know if such existed that the federal money just the federal government just sends money uh, to the, is a block, I guess, to the states, and then they determine who administers that, and it is designated for specifically right for water systems well and and i think that's correct i'm i, I, 
I have to be I have to be a little hesitant here because okay. I'm, I'm I have more experience in the enforcement and the investigations okay. and the prosecutions. What I can tell you is EPA is doing a civil investigation. Okay, it's not like in you know in Flint, Michigan, you had those criminal indictments come yep. out later. Right now, what we have is EPA is doing a civil investigation, and what will happen is what I've read is EPA has about 180 days to determine whether there is you know violations of the law, and if that turns out to be the case they refer that to the department of justice okay and then the litigators in the department of justice will bring you know civil lawsuits and and if it turns out later that there are some type of criminal findings that'll be referred to prosecutors to determine what to do there okay so basically what i think what they're trying to at least insinuate is that there's racism involved in the allocation of this federal money, and because the city of Jackson is primarily a, a black community, I think it's like 83 to 17 or something like that, black to white population, they're withholding money and, and they're redirecting it to other communities that are, are more in the other direction from a racial balance. Well, and, you know, that whole argument that this is, is racism, I mean, again, think think when the whole water system shut down a few months ago. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't the, the city running to other areas to try to bring in help. It wasn't the city trying to pe- find people who were competent to run the facilities. It wasn't the city trying to find, you know, um, uh, equipment to make sure their treatment centers are working in. It was the state. Yeah. The state came in. So, you know, the fact that EPA is investigating this, this is a this is a shell game put in, being put on by Derek Johnson, Shokwe Lumumba, and their henchmen in order to divert the attention to the incompetence and, frankly, I would say even you know, some really bad ill will on their part not to deliver services. I mean, this this is the basis of government. The basis of government is protecting our people and delivering basic services like trash pickup, right. like water. I mean, this is insane, yeah. Gerard. Yeah. But for whatever reason, this 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 uh, this guy keeps getting reelected. Uh, but I, I just I hope and pray that our citizens, our brothers and sisters in Jackson, would would wake up and see that this guy is is <laughs> he is a a ball of hot air. He is a balloon of hot air, and he just continues to blow. And is now he unfortunately has an administration, a presidential administration, at his beck and call that is sending federal. Uh, agents down here to investigate things that will never result in any type of finding. It just seems like legitimate finding. Right. It seems like that in the strong efforts we see out of the left to always try to reduce everything down to it's it's rooted in racism. I mean, it it detracts from actually addressing the true causes of the problem, thus solving them. Right. No, that's exactly right. That, you know that 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 may have worked sixty years ago. That ain't working today. Yeah, that ain't working today. I can tell you, when I was U.S. Attorney, I went all over Jackson, and the citizens of Jackson wanted exactly the same thing yeah. as the citizens of Newton County, where I grew up. Sure. They wanted their families to be safe. They wanted to have clean drinking water. They wanted to watch out for each other's kids. Make sure they went to you know really good schools, and just the again the basic. Functions of government, yeah, and unfortunately, our again, our 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 the good people of Jackson are not getting the basic functions of government. I just I get so uh, just just tired, honestly, exhausted with this over racialization and sexualization now of again of every issue that comes up. And I know that on the national stage, Mississippi is just a a, a ripe target, right? Oh, for absolutely. This sort of stuff. 
uh, because we have a, a large African-American population uh, as a composition of the total population, more so than any other state. But i got to tell you, we're, we're making gains in the sense of if you look at the voting block of the African-Americans during the 2020 election, more voted for President Trump than's ever voted for in right. the history. Right. If you look at what the Mississippi Republican Party is doing with their minority outreach committee and the number of elected officials or those who are running for office who are African-American under the Republican banner, it is continuing to grow because they're beginning to see that the hope and the freedom and the liberties that the Republican Party espouse is on our side. It's a lot of lip service. If you could, can you hang around? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to find out what kind of the next steps are and what we can expect from this investigation and where this may take us. Sure. We got Mike Hurst, former U.S. Attorney in the Element Well Studios. We're coming right back. With Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Let's do Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. Mike Hurst, former U.S. attorney in the Element Well Studios. We're just talking about this uh, news that surfaced last week. We found out about where the department, uh, excuse me, the EPA is going to be the federal EPA investigating the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality and the Department of Health on possibly engaging in discriminatory activity in the allocation of federal grant money to the city of Jackson for its water systems. Uh, apparently there's a block of money that goes to the states for that purpose. So <laughs> they received a letter, right, informing them right. there was going to be a, an investigation. I was a little surprised, I don't know why I'm surprised, to learn that there is an Office of External Civil Rights Compliance. What the hell does that got to do with the EPA? Uh, well, it, it, it gets back to Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, and that's the what we talked about earlier, which is anyone who receives federal funds can't discriminate, and that's what they're investigating. It, it's hardly ever – the EPA – Issues of discrimination relating to environmental issues are rarely investigated. This is a very rare instance. And I can tell you, Gerard, the one thing that does give me a little comfort is, and a lot of people may not know this, but the Office of Inspector General is actually an independent body right. from EPA. Okay. They receive their federal funding different from Congress. It doesn't come through the EPA to OIG. Okay. So they're a standalone agency. They're they're under EPA, but they are not governed by the entities, of or the, by the administrator of okay. EPA. Okay. Kind of like DOJ has an Office of Inspector General that investigates DOJ employees. EPA okay. has the same type of thing. So in, in that sense, at least there, there appears to be some 
you know, insulation of politics away from this. Okay. So that that is a good Makes thing. Sense. But I can tell you again, if the investigators come in here and look at all the state has done just in the last three or four years with regard to water in the city of Jackson, I mean, it's it's incredible how the state is going above and beyond. Um, what they are required to do to ensure the citizens of Jackson have clean and safe water. Sure. D- despite the lack of effort or, um, I would say, even malfeasance on the part of the mayor here in this case, hiding things from the city council, you know, being ordered to do things and just completely ignoring EPA orders. Um, you know, uh, again, going back to uh, Jimi Hendrix's op-ed in the, the Northside Sun, he talks about, how the mayor not only covered up that EPA report, but when a fire broke out at OB Curtis back in April of 2021, um, you know, the pumps went out of action, and the mayor tried to blame it on supp- supply chain issues. Uh, right, I remember that. When, in fact, the mayor didn't even order the equipment for that, that uh, treatment center almost a year later. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. He keeps trying to cover his butt. And, and As his, I recall, a lot of the, the infractions that they cited had to do with inadequate and improper staffing levels. And we're not talking about just the number of people, but their staffing level, the very very uh, specific standards that must be met with respect to certified water engineers. I can't remember the exact designation, right. but they, they were failing on all those fronts. Absolutely. So that's the report that came out, I believe it was around April of 2020 that the mayor hit. That's right. Talking yeah. about how you know they didn't have enough staff. Uh, in fact, that report said that, um, that if the the treatment center was on an uh, imminent and substantial endangerment of, um, you know, disserving the health and the citizens of Jackson. Unbelievable. But what, what a lot of folks might not know is the EPA, as recently as July of this year, so one month before everything hit the fan and the people of Jackson were with, without water, EPA issued a report in July of 2022, and it specifically faulted the fact that the uh, water department had no utilities manager, that they had insufficient staff for three shifts, seven days a week, yeah. that, um, you know, the, the the water meters were malfunctioning. You know, they were only working 70% of the time. Yeah. Uh, 14,000 bills had not been sent to or, or received by customers. And here's the thing that blew me away. 50% of the water going out is not generating any revenue. Right. 50 so the conclusion, or one of the conclusions of the bad July 2022 report by EPA was they contracted with the University of North Carolina to assess whether it would, it would be better for the system, the water system in Jackson, to be governed by an entity other than the Jackson City Council. So now you have EPA OIG coming in and saying, uh, we're going to investigate whether the state discriminated against the city because of racial issues when the EPA just three months ago said, you know, we need some professional experts, academics, to look at this and determine whether the city needs to even be in control of their own water system. It's unbelievable. There's just been no acknowledgement whatsoever from this mayor that he bears any responsibility at all. He's always the victim. He's always the victim. <laughs> it's never his fault. It's always someone else's fault. And he's going to, again, this whole, you know, getting Benny Thompson 
to gin up a congressional investigation, getting the EPA to gin up a uh, an administrative investigation, a regulatory civil investigation. These are all things to distract the public from the incompetence of this mayor, and frankly, from from you know potentially damaging the health and safety of the citizens of Jackson. Unbelievable. So, what one of the things that is being alleged? is that the health department, which oversees uh, some sort of revolving fund, uh, which is federal money that comes to the state, that they loan out to municipalities, that they have uh, evidently some power to forgive certain amounts of those loans, that they cap the loan forgiveness, and that they uh, essentially enforced a much stricter repayment process associated with those loans than the Congress allowed for in, in, in federal law. And, and therefore, they're in violation of federal law. That's one of the things they're trying to allege right. here. So. Yeah, God forbid the states uh, require more accountability <laughs> when it comes to our taxpayer money. I mean, isn't that what most people should believe? I That's mean, you and I are paying our taxes. Shouldn't we want it to be spent properly? And this whole notion of we're going to investigate the state of Mississippi for discriminating against the city of Jackson when the EPA itself said we need to decide whether the city of Jackson should even be in charge of its own water system. It, it does seem like it's a tough argument there, Mike. I mean, you make a great point. They come out and they provide this very comprehensive report saying you're in violation of all these standards, including staffing. And and then they also found that there's some emails that surfaced, internal emails right. from, from folks that work in the department said, we don't have enough people. That's I'm right. working double and triple shifts just to make sure that this Curtis plant remains operational. And then they're going to turn around and investigate them, uh, the state agencies, that's, for the allocation of money? That's why, to me, it's, <laughs> it's just so laughable. And it's it's sad because, you know, a number of, unlike your listeners, there are a number of folks who, you know, are working full-time jobs or are working two or three jobs trying yep. to get their kids raised, and, and they don't have the time to dig into this stuff. And, you know, the mayor, is a, he's a good speaker. He can, he can say really big words sometimes, and uh, people are going to believe him. And as the, as the governor said, the lies that he perpetrates throughout the national media, and the media is going to run with it. He's got them on their side, and a lot of people are going to believe what he's saying. But the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, the EPA has already said, you know, we really need to decide whether the city of Jackson should be in, in charge. Writing. In writing. I mean, whether documented. it should be in charge of its own water system. <laughs> so oh, to gosh. say now that the state is somehow... Um, you know, discriminating against the city of Jackson when it's requiring, you know, more accountability after the EPA has already found that maybe the city shouldn't even be in charge of its own water system. It's, it's kind of crazy. Not and, even kind of crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, this came not too long after Congressman Thompson and also Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, they announced an investigation into the state's spending of the federal infrastructure money, which just was enacted uh, November 21. Uh, they want to know about how that money is being allocated. I mean, it's, my understanding is like none of that nationwide has really even been implemented or put in, into uh, to use yet. Uh, the first project I, I found was some heated concrete sidewalk project in New Hampshire. Right. I mean, I haven't heard anything. So what is it they're investigating exactly? They're, they're, they're doing what Derek Johnson asked them to do. I mean, go back and look at the, go back and look at the connection. Derek Johnson and Benny Thompson are sewn together at the hip. Um, you know that that's this is again this is this is racial politics and that's all it is. Well, They're trying to divert attention from the actual thing that is happening on the ground, 
the, the incompetence and malfeasance by this mayor not to do his job. I think you're right. And so, and unfortunately, Gerard, the, the good people of Jackson, everywhere in the city of Jackson, are the ones that are suffering because of it. Mm. Uh, I know we got to go, but how in the world are they going to determine from a legal perspective whether or not this was discrimination? I mean, there's there's a lot that goes on to allocate money out of a federal pot. That's and why. It, that's why I don't say, think anything will come of this. I think that I think the burden is going to be too high to prove intent to discriminate yeah. or or even to try to prove you know the effect. That's how the liberals do it. They they want to show the impact or the effect of discrimination. That's that's not what. Our justice system is established upon. What a joke. Meanwhile, the water system's still a problem. That's right. Mike Hurst, former U.S. attorney, has been our guest here. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, Gerard. Yep. We're coming right back. Half an hour left, and then we got Super Talk Mississippi Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. Stay with us. With Gerard Gibbert. It is awesome. on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Mountain Mississippi Queen, bumping us into this segment. Super Talk Mississippi middays on the ceasefire text line. Brent from Mendenhall says, "Don't forget the NAACP is involved. Also, absolutely, they are, and they're the ones that push, filed a complaint, and pushed uh, this EPA investigation. Frankly." They're the ones that said uh, Mississippi Department of Health, Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality engaged in forms of racism in allocating this money for water infrastructure projects to the city. Just unbelievable. They also want, does the NAACP, to investigate the Mississippi Department of Finance and Administration. (laughs) Unbelievable. Of course, Benny Thompson, Carolyn Maloney want Tate Reeves to provide information on the state's allotment of recent historical, historic, pardon me, federal infrastructure funding. I guess they're talking about the infrastructure bill, right, not the ARPA money, because that's just getting out there, honestly. September 1, the matching grant program for water projects at the municipal and county level began taking applications for the matching funds. That closed September 30th. Jackson, as you recall, Rhino got theirs in in the nick of time. I still maintain that given there the urgency in the dire situation of their water system, the mayor should have been waiting for the, for the DEQ to open on September 1, with his plan in hand, like hand-delivering it. I'm here, representing the city of Jackson. I'm not leaving till we get all the issues addressed and we get this thing approved. That's what he should have done, in my view. But yet, we were all here scratching our heads. When's he going to send it? Remember, we even had, I think, Senator John Horn on the program about a week after. 
and asked. He said to his knowledge, and he represents Jackson, that they had not submitted. But they have. We'll see where that goes. But if this is talking about the infrastructure plan, I've not heard any money being allocated yet. Remember, this is a deal that's going to build a bunch of charging stations and airports and change the road system up so that it's not racist, according to Pete Buttigieg, and just a big old dang $1.2 trillion boondoggle that did receive support from 14 Republicans. And, uh, and, and I don't know, there's other roads and bridges and other stuff in there, but <clears throat> seriously, I did see a report last week, and I checked it out through several sources, that the first project in the country is to install heated sidewalks in some small town in New Hampshire. <laughs> that which is crazy. And the townspeople, I saw an interview with several of the townspeople, said, we got homeless we got tents all over the place. we got a serious drug problem. We're starting to see crime come onto the scene. This is a relatively small town. We don't need heated sidewalks. Is anybody surprised, though? That's just government at its finest there, isn't it? Let's see. On the ceasefire tax line, DW and Madison, what about the confidential agreement with the EPA? I'm not really sure what you're talking about there, DW. Agreement? Not not familiar with that. Carol and Starville sounds like swamp water in Jackson. Eric in Philadelphia says, I'm a from Philadelphia, Mississippi, a proud black Mississippi conservative Trump supporter. Mayor of Jackson is a crime boss. He needs to be audited, Dan and Tate County. If these folks investigating our grant money allocation are the same ones Benny Thompson had killed the Delta Pump Project, we are in for a ride, no matter how wrong that suit is. Mike in Gulfport also says the heated sidewalks are to keep the homeless warm in the tents on the sidewalks during the winter. Oh, gosh. Well, it, it, everything just seems like it's politically motivated, and the left, their playbook says you gotta got to bring race into it. It's not race, it's cr- climate change. And remember, on Joe's inauguration day, he announced race and climate change equity would be central themes in the policy-making efforts of every agency. And then, of course, he names his cabinet, nominates his members of his cabinet, and it was just like filling out the chess pieces on a chessboard. One of them, one of those, two of them. I mean, that's how we got the vice president we have. Same deal. So now it's water. Gosh, I hope folks are starting to see through this and are getting tired of it. I know I certainly am. Uh, Because it it takes away from really addressing the core causes of our pressing issues. Because you just can't attribute everything to climate change and racism. It's just not true. In the meantime, you've seen this one, Rhino, over there. Across the pond, I believe it's across the pond in the UK, a transgender singer is playing live. You saw that. I see you shaking your head. Yeah, it was, it was on BBC Four, I think. Yeah, I think BBC Four. Friday Night Live is the name of the program. And so 
Her little sketch, this transgender, is... Uh, Hard to be her with how he played the piano. That's true. Uh, wh- whatever it is, hell, I don't even know anymore. Strips naked during the show, live, and proceeds to play the keyboards with his penis. True story. This happened. This is sick. We're, we're depraved morally. Now, this is the U.K. Somebody's going to try that crap over here. Now, I know there's delays and stuff to keep it from hitting the airwaves. I, I mean, is it possible that that channel over there is under different rule set? Kind of like cable is here, maybe? I don't know. Uh, they do have some weird rules with the BBC, like they're not allowed to have commercials the way we are on American TV, but uh, as far as censorship, they're much more European. Yeah, because, you, I mean, you've seen literally people without clothes on, naked people. Oh, yeah, there's a, in France there's a whole game show in England where That's right. they, they have people that are naked behind glass, or they're, they start off fully clothed, then they're naked behind glass, and the glass raises, I think, to their knees. And you make a snap judgment on their knees, and then one of them has to go, and it comes up to their genitals, and you choose from that, and then it keeps going up, and it's it's a dating show, but you get to see the person naked. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Uh, hmm. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Every time I think, you know, as they say, I've seen it all, something else happens, and it's just crazy. You, uh, you may have seen... Uh, you, this <laughs> crazy story talking about this racialization of everything. Where you see that most is in the elite liberal enclaves, right? I mean, it's it's the virtue signaling, it's the superiority, it's this kind of self-aggrandizing that they're just because they're more woke and more sensitive and more concerned than you are. One of the first reports I think we made on the program when all this was really starting to get traction in America was this school, elite school in New York, Grace Church High School. And they actually published a language guide we shared on the program. can't say mother and father and stuff like that. Birthing parent, remember, were the appropriate terms instead. So they required children in 2020 to sign a pledge promising that they would fight against racial propaganda and interrupt biases. They said that they had no plans to require the oath going forward, but they never really did disavow it. Well, now they're asking parents to sign off. First, to renounce their privilege to admit they're racist and to commit to critical race theory and anti-racism. This is happening in a school. Quote, Grace Church School is dedicated to equity, inclusion, and anti-racism in order... For this to be a reality, each student must to commit to this community effort so that it is actively supported and lived every day by all students. So now, not only are they requiring the parents to sign off on this stuff, they've got a whole list of actions that parents and their student children 
must perform, including writing a 500-page essay on their privilege. Parents of the students, not the students. Unbelievable how far this crap has gone. Now, these are private schools. They cost sixty grand a year. They have to go through mandatory and optional training in anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion. The parents do. And they have to write a 500-word essay demonstrating their fealty to those values. We're coming right back. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you in the Element Well Studios, midday, Super Talk, Mississippi. Rhino's got some tickets to give away. Oh, yeah. Fox and Friends host and New York Times bestselling author Brian Kilmeade's bringing his show to Mississippi for one night. Brian's going to tackle some of the hottest political topics and talk about his best-selling books, and he's going to be live at Brandon City Hall on Saturday, November 12th. Tickets for the show are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. But now you've got a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Brian Kilmeade live. All you got to do is be the 10th person to text into the C Spire text line, which is 601-879-4395. Be the 10th person to text in with the word FOX, and you'll win a pair of tickets to see Brian Kilmeade at Brandon City Hall on Saturday, November 12th. There you go. So on the C Spire text line, James in Hattiesburg says, can you elaborate on how Pete said the roads are racist? Talking about Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, about a year ago, and, and really even uh, beyond that, he said, uh, for example, he said that roads were built to separate predominantly minority neighborhoods from white communities. Therefore, they're racist. He also said that lots of the, the busy... The busier interstates and big roads that accommodate lots of traffic are closer to minority communities, and and so therefore you have noise pollution and you have uh, emissions from the vehicles and so forth. They're just were racist in their design. So sometimes uh, it is really the case that an overpass went in a certain way that is so harmful that it's got to come down or maybe be put underground. Other times, maybe it's not that way. Maybe the really important thing is to connect across to add rather than to subtract, whatever the heck that means. That's what Buddha Judge says. But, yeah, that's been a talking point he's uh, repeated numerous times that our road system uh, is inherently racist and that uh, we've got to adjust that so as to eliminate the racism in the design of our transportation system. Sad and crazy, but true. It's absolutely the case. So also on the ceasefire text line, Mo said, Gerard, in the U.S., they wouldn't do that on TV, talking about the transgender that stripped down and played the the uh, piano with their male anatomy. They do it in an elementary school. That is a sad but true thought there. Andy and Jan- Jackson says, could imagine Ed Sullivan announcing that guest. <laughs> I think it's time for an investigation into the federal government and who's pushing this anti-God, anti-America agenda throughout the country, Carolyn Starkville says. I wish they'd just leave all that out of it and stick to what their constitutional responsibilities are. 
I would like to see the last five years of health department's annual inspection of the city of Jackson on the ceasefire text line. I'm not really sure that there is such an inspection or a program, but I but I hear you. Um, so also, if Rhino's got it for us here, another example of just how dang confused and disconnected is this president, that it should be of concern to everybody. Here he is talking about student loan forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. No, he didn't. It did not ever come up for the Congress, you fool. You signed an executive order, which, by the way, got contested in court. It got held up, but then Friday, after we went off the air, an appeals court struck it down and temporarily has halted the student loan program, student loan forgiveness program. Yet, as as Rhino has pointed out, the site still and and the Department of Ed and so forth have still said, "Yeah, but go ahead and keep keep it up with uh, applying, continue that process." They think this is a temporary pause, a temporary halt the program. So we shall see where all that goes. In the meantime, poll after poll after poll, folks, shows that inflation and cost of livings is the number one issue Americans are thinking about when they go to the polls. Listen to what Nancy Pelosi had to say. And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard them there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not, the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. Yeah, and, uh, and let me tell you, what she's saying there, folks, is that, don't worry about that cost of living. We're going to send you some more money, which is going to do what? Boost inflation. I mean, besides the fact whenever Pelosi opens her mouth, you know she's full of it. Whenever she gets that hand going, yeah, you know she's really full of it. <laughs> she's having to fan the BS away from her own nose. I'm going to say again, it is totally, completely inappropriate, substandard, incompetent, an abdication of responsibility to point to other countries. We don't adhere to their standards. We set the damn standard. And until they get that through their head, we're going to continue to slide in the wrong direction. Nobody cares about inflation overseas in this country. They care about this country. When will our government put this country first? Unbelievable. I just... I didn't get to it today, but tomorrow I'm going to analyze Joe Biden's economic speech. It, it's about 30 minutes of lies i got to unpack for you. We're out of time today. Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Mississippi Outdoors, coming up next. Until tomorrow, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.